Father God, we just pray that today you would help us open up our hearts, our minds, our lives to you. We know your presence is here. We know there's nowhere we can go from your presence. But so often we are blind and deaf and dumb to the things you want to show us and say to us and do through us, Lord. Open our eyes, open our hearts. Let us be aware that the glory of the risen Savior is in our midst today. His power is here to forgive, to restore, to redeem, to heal, to deliver, to fill with overflowing, to give the peace of God that passes all understanding, joy unspeakable and full of glory, your word promises. We open ourselves up, fill us, Lord, fill us to overflowing, we ask, in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people shouting out, come on, church. Go ahead and take a seat. Well, a few weeks ago, let me just tuck myself in here. I mean, if we were Presbyterians, your clothes would never move during the worship, you know, but. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, I spoke about um, being stressed out. And I said, I was going to speak about this over three parts. Well, I've changed my mind. I'm going to speak about it over two parts. This is my last part, okay? After going into it all, I thought, you know, I want to, just sh I want to finish sharing this today. Next Sunday is um, a family service. And then the, if I get this correct, I need a staff member. I've been away for so long. Is next Sunday the first Sunday in September? It's a family service. We're going to have a great time here with communion and all sorts. And then the Sunday after that is three people are going to be here. It's going to be great. <laughs> the Sunday after that is it's fall kickoff and um, it's our opportunity to invite lots of people. And you know, Jesus said that the greatest commandment was the commandment to love. And he said, the, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And he said, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's interesting because, you know, have you noticed that humans tend to like um, make things binary opposites, you know? You're, you either vote, you're, you're either left wing or right wing. You're either this or you're that. You know, everything's always a binary opposite. And so in our minds, we would think that the second commandment is not like the first commandment. The first commandment is to love God. But the second one is different, is to love people. But Jesus didn't say it's different. He said it's similar. He said the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And the second commandment is like it, to love other people the way you love yourself. In other words, 
To quote the Apostle John, how can you say you love God whom you have not seen when you can't stand people whom you have seen? So Jesus is saying that one of the ways that we demonstrate or express our love for God is to love other people. And one of the best things that we can do for other people is to introduce them to the most amazing Savior and life-transforming message that they've ever come across. That's one way we can love them. But then he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you know, psychologists tell us that people who don't love themselves, don't like themselves, dislike themselves, actually have a a difficulty forming relationships with other people because that toxic feeling they have about themselves spreads to other relationships as well. In other words, in order to be able to love God with all your heart, you have to love the person He has made you to be. And in order to be able to love other people with all their faults and mistakes, You have to be able to love yourself with all your faults and mistakes. And so many people do not love themselves. And we put that together, we put that saying by Jesus together as a kind of statement here at Gateway. Instead of saying love yourself, because some people struggle with that phrase, to them it sounds like conceit or something, um, or an inflated ego or something like that. So we made it love your life. Love God, love people, love life. And we are making the theme of the fall kickoff, love life. But because we didn't want people to think we're talking about their love life, we've put a little you're there. Love your life. (laughs) It's not just about your love life, but it's about how to love your life. And so many people, church, so many people, including so many Christians, do not love their life. They do not enjoy their life. They view life as a struggle. And one of the reasons that we often view life as a struggle is because we are struggling against the natural flows of life. You think of a salmon. You know, when a, you know when a salmon wants to spawn, it swims back up the river. And it's swimming against the flow of the river, and it has to jump up, uh, you know, waterfalls and things like that. And of course, the bears are very clever. They know that if they just stand at the waterfall, they don't have to expend any energy. Just stand there with your mouth open. You know, it's like... If you're driving a Harley Davidson down the Anthony Hendy and you're feeling hungry, just open your mouth wide. (laughs) And the bugs shall fill it. And for the bear, the salmon just jumps right into their mouth. Now, here's the interesting thing. See the salmon that don't die on the way or get eaten. See the ones that get actually to the spawning ground and lay their eggs and all that. They die after that. If, you ca- if you're a fisherman and you catch one of these salmon that have gone back up the river and you go to try and, and fillet it, its, it's, all, it's muscles are all falling to pieces. It has killed itself. It has burned itself out. It has used up all of its resources 
by trying to swim against the flow. And that's what we do with ourselves very often when we feel burned out, when we feel drained, when we feel emotionally frazzled. Very often it's because we are trying to fight against a flow. Circumstances are coming our way like a river and we are trying to stop them. We're trying to block them. We're trying to force the course of this river to go the other way. When we think that the way to change our life is to struggle and fight with external circumstances, it burns us out. It causes anxiety, it causes stress, and it causes us not to enjoy life. It is not the circumstances that stop you enjoying life. You say, Wait, well, you don't, you don't know. I just got diagnosed with heart disease, and, and that's why I'm so unhappy and miserable. Okay. Is, is it possible that somewhere in the world, there is somebody who has also just been diagnosed with heart disease, but is still happy and light and at peace and living life to the full? Is that a possibility? So it's not the circumstance, it's not the circumstance. I remember once uh, back in Scotland, I had two friends and um, uh, both of them had kind of like oddball parents. I mean, they would have said it themselves, our parents are a little bit oddball and so on. And um, uh, anyway, both of them, their parents got divorced. And I never saw their fathers much after that, but I still saw their mothers quite a few times. And one of them, the mother, was bitter, she was angry, she was miserable, she gave that miserable man the 20 best years of her life, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> the other one, she had always looked that way before. And one day he brought his mother to church and she walked in with makeup on. I had never seen this woman with makeup on in my life. And her hair done and a new outfit. And she was happy. It was the first time I'd seen the woman ever smiling. And I thought, there are two people going through a very difficult circumstance and one of them is allowing it to poison her heart with sadness and unhappiness, and the other one is taking it as an opportunity to reinvent herself and live the life she's always wanted to live. It was not in the circumstances, it was in their perception of the circumstances. People, what I want to, I'm calling this message today, I haven't even got to my notes yet, we'll get to it in a minute. I'm caught. <laughs> I'm calling this message today Christian mindfulness. Everybody say that with me. Christian mindfulness. And if you can only remember one thing from this message today, remember this. If you try to control circumstances or people, you will make yourself very unhappy. But if you instead take control of the only one thing you can control, your thoughts, then it doesn't matter what is going on in the outside, you can have peace on the inside. 
And here's a second part to that statement. If you really want to change the outward circumstances, the only way you can do that is by changing the way you think anyway. I think it was Napoleon Hill who said, the only thing that man has, Clement Stone it was, the only thing man has full control over are his thoughts. But thankfully, that's what controls everything else in our life. So you change yourself on the inside and you can be as solid as a rock with your faith and trust in God even if there is a storm raging in your life on the outside. Remember the Jesus in the boat and the disciples? And they were all panicking in the storm and Jesus was sleeping on a pillow. He had peace in the midst of a storm. Right, I better get to my notes. Isaiah, here's my first verse, Isaiah. It says this, you, God, you will keep in perfect peace all whose minds and thoughts are steadfastly fixed on you because they trust in you. Sometimes people say, I just wish God would give me peace of mind. Can you just lay hands on me so that God will give me peace of mind? Well, do you know the Bible never says, are you troubled and anxious? Get the pastor to lay hands on you and then you will have peace of mind. It never says that. But you know what it says? If you yourself, whether there's a pastor, an evangelist, a nun, the Pope, or anybody else around, it doesn't matter. You could be on a desert island all alone, but if you yourself will take your thoughts that are going on in your mind and you will fix them steadfastly on God and His goodness and His faithfulness and His trustworthiness, you will have perfect peace. Whether there's anybody there to pray for you or anything else, you can connect to God direct simply by doing the things that He says. Um, you know, I said a moment ago that uh, stressful things and unhappy things in our life are more to do with our perception of what is going on than actually what is going on. And a number of years ago, I heard a really good story about this. It was um, uh, Tony Robbins, who is like one of these kind of success coach type guys. What does he call himself? Uh, peak performance coach or something like that. And um, anyway, he was telling a story that uh, he got a phone call once from the singer Carly Simons. Anybody remember her? Remember her? Okay. And she had had to cancel a number of her concerts because backstage, before she walked out, she was taking stage fright, having a panic attack backstage and couldn't come out. So, and she was asking for counsel, you know, how, how do I break through this situation? And so he asked her, he said, when you're backstage, before you go out, how do you know that you're taking stage fright? Describe it to me. She says, well, my heart starts to beat a little bit faster, and my hands start sweating, and I get breathless, and then I know I've got stage fright. And he said to her, that's very interesting, because I'm friends with Bruce Springsteen. 
And I once asked Bruce Springsteen, do you, uh, how do you feel backstage? Like, is it, is it all boring now? Have you done so many gigs that it's just all boring now? Or do you still get excited? He said, no, I, I, no, I, I can't do the voice. Anyway, he said, <laughs> no, I still get excited, he said. And Tony Robbins said to him, How, what happens? He says, well, I'm backstage just before I go on, just before I walk out. My heart starts be beating fast. My hands go all sweaty. I get breathless. And I know that I'm ready. <laughs> they both experienced the same thing. She interpreted it as she's taking a panic attack. He interpreted it as I'm ready. That's quite a different perception. Do you see how it's where we fix our thoughts that give us the problems? It's not the things that we think are the problems. Even if you have a real problem and you're worrying over it and you're anxious over it and you're trying to resolve it, I'm sure you're aware that it's very difficult to come to a solution to a problem from an anxious mind. But if you're able to cast that care upon the Lord, have peace of mind, not worry about it, be at peace about it, not let it trouble you, you wake up one morning, oh, I've got the answer. I wasn't even thinking about it. My subconscious was ticking over. My spirit was talking to God in, in my dreams while I was sleeping or something. I don't know. All I know is I was worried sick yesterday about it. I gave it to God in prayer. I got peace of mind. I went to bed and I woke up with a peaceful mind and the solution to the problem. But solutions don't come from an anxious mind. And so we need to be careful of that. Um, you know, one of the reasons that we can't cope with stress a lot is because of things that have happened to us in our childhood that weaken our ability to deal with stress, and later on in life, stressful situations may crop up that are not connected in any way with the stressful childhood situations, but they still break us down. I want to show you uh, some studies that were done. And here is what they found out. As childhood trauma increases, so does the risk for the following. Not the risk for the child, the risk for that person their entire life, even when they're an adult. Depression, fetal death, illicit drug use, heart disease, liver disease, poor work performance, financial stress, multiple sexual partners, sexually transmitted disease, suicide attempts, unintended pregnancies, early initiation of smoking, early initiation of sexual activity, adolescent pregnancy, risk for sexual violence, poor academic achievement, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Like this makes me think, let us decide as from today, I don't do stress anymore. Can you agree, church, that we want rid of all this stuff in our lives? In fact, I've got a little symbol, I don't know if you can see, read it very, that came from this, want to put the next image up, that came from this. Um, there is mechanism by which adverse childhood experiences influence health and well-being throughout the lifespan. And from the moment of conception to the moment of death, at every level of development, if that child has gone through traumatic experiences, they can no longer cope with stress, which eventually leads to an early death. 
And so we have people all over our world and in the body of Christ as well who have been traumatized and damaged and find it difficult to cope with stress because their stress functioners have been damaged. Isn't it good when we serve a God who is a healing God, who can heal, who can restore, who can put us back together, who can make you a new creation, who can transform your life and renew your mind and wash away all of that stuff. We've sung about it today. You took my fears, you took my sins, you took my shame, you broke my chains, I'm free. That's the kind of God we serve. He's a miracle-working God, and sometimes being healed of emotional trauma is a much greater miracle in someone's life than them rising up and walking physically, because these things can affect every area of our lives. Now, how, how is it? Well, how, how can we cope with stress and, and so on if we've been damaged and we've been broken? Because the answer, the answer is not to protect your children from every single stress in life. That is not the answer. Let me helicopter this child so that it will let no one will ever say no to you or have a differing opinion to yours or anything like that. We, if we helicopter our, our kids, like is very common today, like when I was at school, if I went home and said, the teacher well, didn't just give me into trouble, in those days it was, I used to get, my parents would have slapped me in the ear. Today, the teacher would be sued by the parents, you know? I mean, let's not helicopter our kids as well. I mean, people even want to helicopter their pets. I'm telling you, I was in Kelowna recently. We had our dog with us. The very, he was six months old. Very first night, he chewed and swallowed a pork rib bone. Oh, great. So, Went to Walmart to see if, it was late at night, to see if they had anything. And I met a woman in the pharmacy, and she said, what's it for? And I told her, and she said, oh, my dog died a few weeks ago of that. I thought, great. <laughs> <laughs> Took him to the vet the next day. I'll spare you all the details of the laxatives and all of that kind of stuff, and the special magic food that he got and everything else. Left the vet, came back. I wanted to get a liter of milk. So I parked the car next to the door of the shop. It was baking hot with sun. Like it was up to 40 degrees there. And, and so I thought, I'm gonna leave you in the car. You're sore, you're upset. I'm gonna put the air conditioning on. I'm just gonna run there and get a milk. And I saw this woman over there. And you know how sometimes you can tell just by looking at them that they're a social justice warrior? <laughs> I could see her watching everything. And it was almost like I could read her mind. She was waiting for the moment I got into the shop so she could smash the window and rescue the dog. So I got to the, the shop door and I saw her walking over. So I came back over and I said, what's, what's the problem? You've left a dog in a car in a hot sunny day. And he's in there with the air conditioning on full blast and his hair's blowing like a L'Oreal advert, you know. <laughs> and he's quite happy. I said, lady, does the dog look like it's dead? <laughs> the air conditioning is on, you know? He's, he's, 
he's cooler than we are. In fact, I could have got the milk and been away by now in the time it's taken me to talk to you. Well, I still think it's cruel, what, to give the dog air conditioning? You know, I realize, you know, we're at this stage now that in society that we cannot tell the difference between abuse and something else, you know? And, and, and we're at this stage now where some, someone hugs a child, there could be an abuser, you know? I mean, folks, abuse is abuse, cruelty is cruelty. Let's stay away from all that, but let's not be so uptight that our children never experience a difference in opinion or a slightly stressful situation so that they cannot develop their stress muscles so that when they face something really stressful in life, they're not able to deal with it. So we need to be balanced here. We do not want to be traumatized. We don't want our kids to be, but neither do we want to be wimps either. We want to grow strong and mature and be able to handle circumstances in life. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And here's the secret of life. How do you have peace of mind? Here it is. Let everything be okay just the way it is. Say that with me. Let everything be okay just the way it is. If you... If you're like, I can't be happy until I make that person change their mind about something. I can't be happy until I've got that job. I can't be happy until I've got a certain amount of money. I can't be happy because I'm dealing with a legal battle at the moment. If your happiness is dependent on circumstances, you'll never be happy. But if you can let everything be okay just the way it is, I can be happy whether everything's the way I want it to be or not. Why? Because my mind is fixed on God. It's easier to change things in your life from a place of peace than from a place of stress and urgency. And this is what happened in the book of Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You might remember the story. I want to just read it to you. It says here, <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I know these are silly names, but they weren't actually their real names. It was the king of Babylon gave them these names. I think he thought, I'll never remember you guys' names. I'll, I'll, give, you both, I'll give you all rhyming names or something like that, you know? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they worked for the king. And they were told to worship a statue, and they wouldn't worship a statue. And they replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from it. That's a statement of faith. But look at the next part. But even if he doesn't, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. They're saying here, I've got faith. I believe that God will look after me. I believe that this, this circumstance won't happen. I believe that this terrible thing that we are facing, it's going to be okay. God's going to answer our prayers and it's going to be okay. But see, even if it does happen, I'm still going to be okay. I mean, what, what's the worst case scenario? I leave this stinking world and go to heaven? 
where there's love, joy, and peace forevermore? I mean, what's the worst case scenario here? I, I just think this is an amazing statement. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will. But even if he didn't, we're all right. We're not worried. We're not stressed. We've not ran out to the pharmacy to, to buy a bottle of pills here. It's, we are going to let everything be okay just the way it is. You see, what they realized was these guys had no control over their circumstances. No control. The king was the absolute monarch, the absolute dictator of this culture. And they had no control. He could just say, you, you're going to live and you're going to die, and that's it. No control over their circumstances. But they did have control over one thing, their thoughts. And when you have control over your thoughts, you can be happy and at peace even when your circumstances are not the way you want them to be. I'm, this is, I'm, call, I'm going to give you, as we bring this to a close, I'm going to give you five scripture verses. And it, you might, if you want them, you might want to take a photograph of them or something. And these are verses that you can use to meditate on to meditate upon them, to fill your mind with them. Whenever you feel that your thoughts are taking you down the road of anxiety and stress, sit down, get some of these scripture verses out and just ponder them, think about them, turn them over in your mind. Practice Christian mindfulness and scriptural meditation and you will find the verse that we read at the beginning coming true you will find yourself beginning to experience perfect peace because your mind and your thoughts are being steadfastly fixed on God. Here are our verses. First verse. Let's put the first one up. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Some English translations say power and love and self-control. The Greek word can be translated two ways, self-control or a sound mind. And they both mean the same thing. It's only when you're in control of your mind that you're in control of yourself. Now let me tell you how meditation works. Meditation isn't just you reading it, it's you sitting in a chair at home, reading this verse, thinking about it, pondering it, saying it to yourself, actually emphasize God. God has not given me a spirit of fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. Hold on a minute. Fear is a spirit. It's a spiritual atmosphere. And it doesn't come from God. So if it doesn't come from God, it comes from someplace else. And if it comes from someplace else, I don't want it, okay? God has not given us, he's not given me a spirit of fear. God has given me power. God has given me love. God has given me a sound mind. I am able to control myself 
by controlling my thoughts. And as I ponder and turn these words over prayerfully in my mind and emphasize different words, before you know it, they begin to settle down into your way of thinking. They begin to, it's like your mind is like putty and God is beginning to mold it as you begin to let these verses soak in. Let's say this one together out loud. Are we ready? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind and self-control. Second verse. Proverbs 25, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who has no control over his own spirit. I don't need to control everything out there. I need to control everything that's going on here because if I don't control what's going on in here, if I let everything come crashing down, if I let my thoughts go wild and my emotions run away from me, then it's like a city whose walls have been broken down and it has no protection against whatever comes against it. But if those walls are strong, the people in that city don't fear whoever's attacking them. They know they're safe. And if your walls are strong, you know that you will not be pulled upon by outside forces. Next verse, number three. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's how you can let everything be okay just the way it is. But it's not the way I want it to be. That's okay. Because God's got a habit of taking things, good things, bad things, all things, and working them together for your good. You know, some of you 10 years ago almost had a nervous breakdown because your spouse left you. And then three years later, you found the spouse of your dreams. And you thought, thank you, Lord, (laughs) that they left me. (laughs) You know, sometimes some of you were so upset because you got fired from a job and you were worried sick because you didn't know how you were going to make money. And you couldn't find another job, so you decided to just start a little business on the side until you could find another job. And then God blessed your business, and it grew and prospered, and you say, thank you, Lord, that I got fired from my job. God can take everything in your life and weave it together and make something beautiful out of it. Whether you see that at the time or not, stick in with him, you'll see it at the end. Next verse. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So if you've got anxiety in your life, you have to take it. I mean, think of it like a fishing rod. You know, when you say cast out, you've got the weight and all that at the end, and you go, take all of your anxieties and cast them as far as you possibly can. Cast them into the hands of God. How do you do that? By prayer. Here's the last verse. It says this, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. It's kind of like, you know, fear. There's a little gang over here, and there's three people in it. One of them's called fear, and one of them's called anxiety, and the other one's called stress. And they get together, and they they see you, and they say, let's go and beat that person up. But when they get there, they find out that you've got two bodyguards standing there. You've got like a CIA agent outside your hotel door of your heart. And you've got another one over your mind. You have two guards, a guard over your heart and a guard over your mind. And what is that guard? It is the peace of God. It's like a dome of protection that will stop anxiety coming your way. How do you do that? His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. How do we get that peace? How do we cast our cares? By prayer. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So that's what I want to do now. I want you to remain in your seats for a few moments, but I want you to, if you're sitting all tense or in the edge or something like that, shuffle about in your seat and try and relax yourself as much as possible. We're going to pray. Get get yourself comfortable, relaxed, close your eyes, and I want you to kind of like just center yourself, focus yourself, be present here right now. Don't let your thoughts take you to yesterday or next week or what you're having for lunch. Just lay it all aside. Close your eyes. Now, I want you to think about a situation that has been weighing heavily upon you. Some situation, some trouble, some spirit of fear that you've been allowing to live rent-free in your head for too long. Now, it may be true that the situation looks bad. And that you think anybody would worry about this or be anxious or stressed. It's okay to be anxious, it's okay to be stressed, it's part of being a human, but we don't want to carry the burden of that. So just bring that situation to your conscious awareness right now, and allow yourself to acknowledge this is a problem. This has been weighing you down. This has been causing you stress or anxiety. A sick feeling of panic in your stomach when you think about it. I want you to think about that circumstance, that situation, that person. And I want you to also think about the way it has been making you feel. Think about the emotions that you've been feeling. And I want you to like almost mentally be gathering 
all of these things up into a bundle. The circumstances, the people involved, the emotions involved, the thoughts that have been running through your head, everything to do with it. Gather it all up in a bundle, like a big parcel that you're packaging up together. And let's say this together, Father God, I give you today every part of my life, past, present, and future. I bring before you the anxieties, the worries, the stress that I have been going through. I give over to you the circumstances and the people that have caused that stress. I place everything in your hands. I trust you with this. I don't know what to do, but you do. So I give it to you. I let it go. I release it. I am free. I am lighter. I open up my heart and mind. Holy Spirit of God, come flooding in. Fill me now with peace, tranquility, and love with a sense of safety and protection. In Jesus' name, I breathe in the peace of God and breathe out anxiety and stress. Do it now, take a big deep breath in. Let God fill you and breathe out. And let it go. Stand up together as we pray and say together loudly and boldly and confidently, my God has not given me a spirit of fear. Fear and doubt, get out. My God has given me power, love, a sound mind and self-control. I will be at peace. I will be joyful. I will be filled with 